The underdog is howling. This is Stanford Steve and the Bear. Ah, yes. A home team getting points. What's better than that? Welcome in. Week one. Episode week one of the 2019 season. Plenty to get to. The Bears on the road. Ivan Mazel is going to join us in studio to talk about all things college football 150. Uh, all that we have planned as a company, the documentaries, the podcasts, the 60-second videos. Uh, he's going to join us um, after Bear. we let Bear go. Um, but plenty to get to. The Bear is on the road, stuck in traffic, got the Bluetooth in, but he's got the picks. He's ready to go. Bear, how we doing? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just I'm sitting here uh, patiently waiting. But I've been, uh, I'm on currently Interstate I-85 headed north towards Clemson. Uh, from Atlanta, and I've been uh, sitting in the car with the car in park for about the last 45 minutes or so. Uh, I think there's kind of a, a serious accident here, so hopefully uh, hopefully everybody is okay. And uh, I, I, I'm more than happy to bide my time here sitting with the car in, in park, talking on on, uh, on the Bluetooth to you, uh, knocking this podcast out. It's a good occupation of my time uh, to, to get, get me through this little bit of a delay. All right. You mentioned you're going to be in Clemson for tomorrow. You're going to be in Fort Worth for Saturday night. Let's dive right into it. The biggest storyline or the thing you're most wanting to see. The important thing to note is. Is the, the, the Clemson defensive line. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how the, the new starters on that defensive line uh, play and, and handle it. Obviously, it's not the traditional Georgia Tech triple option that we've seen the last few years, but I've been. And I think Jeff Collins' teams have always had a physical, blue-collar, uh, blue hard-nosed type mentality to them, and I'm curious to see how they uh, they, they respond to that. I mean, they, they've typically handled uh, Georgia Tech's option really, really well, so I'm curious to see uh, with, with whatever new wrinkles from the new offense that Jeff Collins has installed, how some of these newcomers to Clemson's D-line uh, handle it, and I, I think it's a good uh, – a good dress rehearsal for the uh, for the remainder of their season. I, I I don't know if I'm interested in laying 37 with Clemson. I, I think this could be one of those get up, uh, let the uh, Trevor and Ross and all those guys play a half, and, and then you bring some backups in the second half to get some run. And, uh, and I think the Tech step team is going to hang around maybe in some games, necessarily not necessarily get get a win, but I think them, I think they might hang around in a in a, in a lot of games this year. All right. Uh, speaking of Clemson, they're not my biggest storyline. I, I will get to that in a second. But as you brought them up, Thursday night, they're minus 36.5. The over-under is 60. Through all the reading and research we do and work into this, I just felt like I needed to let the people know on some of the stuff I read concerning Georgia Tech because they fascinate me with what they are going to look like uh, when they take the field tomorrow night uh, in Clemson. When Jeff Collins took the job, there were 13 scholarship running backs on that roster. Okay, They rushed for over 4,200 yards last year with that option. 45% of those yards were by the quarterbacks. So... And now I'm reading, you know, people are thinking this Lucas Johnson is going to be the quarterback. He's never thrown a pass. So if you really feel good about this game, great. Have at it. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's got to be your just overall love for Clemson. 
Um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, other parameters in here. You talked about, you know, get out and go. Dabo's been really good in first halves. That 60 number, I, I, I mean, is Georgia Tech going to score? If anything, I would lean towards the under knowing what's ahead for Clemson in a huge spot with A&M coming in. So I would lean towards the under there. Any any thoughts yeah, with that? I, I, I would agree with that. I, I could see like a like a 45-14 type game, something like that, 40-45-10, something, something like that feels, feels about right. All right. Well, we're in we're in agreement then. There. Um, my biggest storyline quickly is it's the last thing that uh, the last thing we're going to see Saturday night. It's Graham Harrell's offense for USC. Um, I, I know people are going to want to pounce on USC if they lose Fresno. Obviously, the roster isn't what they've had, but this is a huge motivation spot for Fresno. They love getting these games against the big Pac-12 schools in state. It's kind of like San Diego State the last couple of years getting a shot at Stanford. They beat them one of two, but I think this is this is another one of those. And I think there's a lot of eyeballs that are going to be on USC and um, knowing you know what Stanford has in, in my personal interest in the month uh, going up. I know I'm scared to death of Pat Fitzgerald. I'll talk about that in a little bit with a five-star <laughs> quarterback as an underdog. But USC is the most intriguing thing to me because I just want to see what it looks like. They have all the pieces, um, and I and I, I'm a, I, I like Clay Helton, and I just I I, I want to see a, a good showing because you know in in, a, in all that comes around and in, in all the the negativity that they've probably had to deal with, in that I want to see the team come out and play well in that opening game. So that that's what I have uh, in store when I look at the thing in the grand scheme. Um, Thursday night, uh, you mentioned you'll be in Clemson. Hey, there, just, to, just, to, just, yeah. just to piggyback quick on, on SC, just to follow up with it, I, you're right. I, I think SC on offense is going to be just fine. I, I think mm-hmm. they got a ton of receivers, and I think they got some backs that they like, and obviously Daniels uh, took his lumps last year, and I think he'll probably be a little bit better for it this year. Uh, defensively, I, I think they might have some problems uh, in, in the back end. I think they lost some guys, so that they might be – Trying to figure things out there. I mean, Lacresto, as we know, has been an unbelievable dog uh, under Tedford. You know, against the number five out of outright wins, um, they lost a lot as well. Yes, they if, did. If you, look at the, if you look at the track record, though, with, with Helton and SC, uh, the, the three opening games that they've had, uh, predictably blown out by Alabama, and then even the two games at the Coliseum as big favorites. Uh, they won by 18 against Western Michigan a couple of years ago as a four-touchdown favorite. That game was tied in the fourth quarter. Last year, they won by 22 as a 24-and-a-half-point uh, favorite over UNLV. I remember UNLV in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game was a five-point game midway through the fourth quarter. So SC hasn't exactly come out of the gates uh, too hot uh, under Clay Helton. So maybe will, will that trend continue of slow starts and season openers against uh, group of five type teams, or uh, will the new coordinator and, and the coaching change will that make a difference? Very good. Uh, other games Thursday night: Cincinnati um, hosting UCLA, Tulane, who I like a lot this year, and a tough spot against FIU, who is another team I know that you like, and, and I'm imagining is going to be on your your pick sheet uh, in future weeks. Uh, Texas State, the, the debut of my, my Bobcats and Jake Spavadol go to College Station. Uh, Kent State, I can't imagine how their legs are going to feel, uh, 
Thursday night in the second half as they're playing in Tempe against Arizona State. And then the Holy War, which is um, maybe the game I'm most excited to see of the whole weekend. Uh, I can't wait to see it. The line keeps rising. It's Utah minus six and a half. We know the win streak in this series. Uh, I, it, the line is scaring me. And I talked about, you know, we were kind of on opposite sides of, of Utah and what the, what the ceiling can be this year talking in the preseason. But I said it and I'll say it again, uh, Bear. I got to think Kyle Whittingham loves what he has in his roster, but he would want to play anyone else in the country, and that includes Bama, Clemson, and Georgia, and those teams, um, as opposed to playing his in-state rival with with BYU. What do you think here? I'm taking BYU in the the six and a half, and we'll see maybe if it touches seven. If it goes through seven, then I'll start to be a little bit worried, but if it stays seven or uh, six and a half or so, I feel pretty good about it. on the right side with the Cougars. Obviously, we've known the other dog has done really well in this series, and, and I like what BYU's guys coming back. Yep. Uh, they very easily could have won the last couple of years, so as good as Utah has been uh, in recent years and as down as BYU has been by their standards lately, uh, this has been one of those rivalry games where the old adage throw out the records and the talent does the, but, B, but BYU getting that many, get, getting six and a half at home, I'll uh, I will certainly uh, be on the side of the Cougars tomorrow night. I can't. Very good. I can't wait to see. Uh, I'm going to lay off because the line is just going crazy to me. Um, And I I just, there's so much at stake in in a rivalry game where, like, I'm sure people on the East Coast know who their rivals are and stuff, but, like, and you always say, you know, you have the best rivalry. These two schools cannot stand each other. They hate each other. And it's going to be awesome. You hit you hit on a game before we started talking about BYU Utah. It, it didn't take long for for the old odds makers to, to throw the first "I dare you" game out there with Cincinnati UCLA, did they? You got, won, you, told, you got a team that won eleven games last year, went to the Rose Bowl and won against UCLA. And I know the uh, the buy was a little bit deceptive if you look at the, the numbers, but now here's Cincinnati at home. Two and a half point favorite. They're giving, you go ahead. They win by a field goal in their home field. You're fine against, against UCLA team that's got like eighty somewhat freshmen and sophomore on his roster, and you're you're basically only laying laying two and a half. That that is that screams to me either UCLA or stay away. I don't know what you think. Uh, the over is fifty eight. That's down from sixty. When that came out, I originally liked the under. I said last night on SportsCenter with Van Pelt, we did a little early lean Tuesday segment. And I just thought that when you look at these two head coaches and knowing how stubborn we can be with my man Chip uh, in the play calling, they're going to want to establish the run. They're going to want to put their footprint on this game and play some ball control and you know not let the other offense be on the field. So I could see the clock ticking a lot in this game. I, w- I mean, it's already come down two points, but if I had to take anything, I would lean towards the under. We are going to be in a historic Nippert Stadium. It's going to be a blackout. So UCLA is going to get all it can handle. I'm picking Cincinnati to win the American, so you know what I think of them there. Um, so it, I'm really fired. I'm, this is the first game, seven o'clock Eastern. This is great. I mean, the American always wants that, that big spot and they got a stage and the Pac-12 could get things going with it without a conference win that would help, uh, help the mentality of that, the, the, that, that fragile Pac-12 fan base. It, it's a huge, I'm glad you said that because it's a huge weekend 
for the pass holder. When they already took a took a body blow last week, uh, losing outright as a double digit favorite uh, at Hawaii, mm-hmm. and you got Utah against BYU, you got UCLA against Cincinnati. Like before we even go on air on Saturday morning, we could be talking about like that. What a massive day this is for the perception of the Pac-12 because you still have the game that game day will be at with Oregon and Auburn, and then Stanford hosting Northwestern from another really scary game. So uh, Pac-12 needs to win a couple of these games, I think, for the uh, for the psyche and the overall perception of the league. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's go to Friday. Let's go to Friday. Uh, Friday is a very, very interesting slate. Uh, you mentioned Purdue, Nevada. Do you have any picks on the Friday slate? Yeah, yeah. P- Purdue, Nevada. I- I've liked Nevada all along. Uh, this number I think was eight or eight and a half or so, and I liked it. Not anymore. Now it's nine and nine and a half. I'm not saying good. Nine and nine and a half. I'm happy. And then, and then it touched ten and it blew through ten. And I think the last time I checked before it was eleven in a couple of spots. So it is eleven. That has me. That has me a little worried that I might be on the wrong side. Um, I'm going I'm to scale back. I think a little bit on Nevada, just to be safe. I mean, there, maybe there's something that I'm missing. I don't know. Uh, but but I, I think maybe some people still are a little hesitant because I think they might have thought Malik Henry was going to be the, the quarterback yeah. at Nevada. And he lost the job to Carson Strong. But if you, if you go look back under Jeff Brom at Purdue, there have been five times that they have been a favorite of more than four points against a team not named Illinois, and they've lost all five of those games outright. Mm. Three of them have come as a favorite of nine or nine of nine and a half points or bigger, like they are here. So, like the the, the trend under Brom typically has been big favorite play against underdog small favorite play on. So I think it's a play against Purdue, but it looks like the, the way the money is headed here, they, they, it disagrees with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang in there with Nevada, but I'm, I'm, I, I, will, I will say I'm a little concerned I might be on the, uh, the, the wrong side of some information and some money that I don't know about. All right. Um, I have a pick for Friday. I am going to Winston-Salem. Uh, I like the Demon Deacons. I also – Oh, boy. Uh, I also right like the, the like the over. This is amazing. We did not even discuss these things, uh, but we all right. So we're both on Wake Forest. I just want to give you a little bit of here. And uh, when I when I think about you know talk about you know love the quarterback for Utah State, you know in in past uh, um, circumstances where this sort of thing has happened, and I, I the two that came to mind, and they're both against Iowa, were these. You know, smaller school, you know, I think back to when Roethlisberger, uh, you know, was at, you know, going to Iowa his senior year. They got killed, you know, but he didn't have anything around him. He had a great junior year because he had his receivers. He had his offensive line. A couple years ago, Josh Allen goes to Wyoming. Uh, you know, I should say he was playing at Wyoming. They go to Iowa, get smashed. He loses all his receivers and O-line going into his last year. Um, I feel like Jordan loves in the same thing where, he he has four new offensive linemen. They graduated six linemen last year. Um, they only have two receivers back that caught ten plus balls. Wake Forest Clausen's as trustworthy of the coach as I think. Uh, they've been to three straight bowl games. I think if they could go to another bowl game, it would be the first time in since forty something they they've had you know um, set, uh, four straight winning seasons. Newman's the guy. He's the quarterback. He won three of the last uh, four games to close the year last year. Uh, they scored 50 or more four times last year. They averaged 33 a game. They were 7-2 and two when they went for 400 yards or more. Sage Surratt's a top target, 6'3", 220-pound receiver. 
Wake has seven of the top twelve tacklers back. Uh, I just like the the, the 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 spot here for Wake Forest because I feel like I know I'm going to get uh, more than what I'm going to see with Utah State traveling across the country against what is definitely going to be a well coached team in Wake Forest. And, and I think another key for Wake is they got a, their defense kind of got things figured after they got blown out another game last year. Their, their defense played a lot better, and I think. Uh, they got a difference maker, like at each level of the defense, with Boogie Basham up front there and Stodd, yes. linebacker. And I, I, I agree. I think I think too many new faces on the Utah State uh, team as a whole. And this is a, this is a big game. This game could mean potentially a five and zero or a five and one or a six and zero type start for Wake Forest. If you look down the schedule, uh, you and I were by, I, I I think we're both on the Wake Forest over mm-hmm. five and a half win total as well. So it, it's a big game for us. An interesting game, I think, on Friday night as well. And uh, in East Lansing, Michigan State, uh, 22 and a half, 23 point favorite over Tulsa. This has typically not been a spot that Michigan State plays well in. And you've got all those, the, the, the coaching, assistant coaching circle of life there, uh, rotating seats, no newcomers, but just kind of reassigning everybody. And Tulsa last year played Texas really tough early in the year. Yes, they did. I gave them out. <laughs> and if you go this a winner, and, and if you go back to 2015 as a 20-point favorite, Michigan State's been a 20-point favorite seven times. They haven't covered any of them. And in the last eight season openers, they're two and six against the number, including last year when I think a lot of people knew about Utah State, how good they were. They were 23 half point favorite, didn't cover. So I'm curious to see, like Michigan State, is their offense really figured out? Uh, how are they approaching this game? Is Tulsa play another big Power Five team uh, more competitive than you might think? So uh, I, I wouldn't be in a in, in a rush to lay out north of three touchdowns with Michigan State. Yeah, the stay away game for me is Wisconsin South Florida. I, I just want to see uh, what Wisconsin looks like um, traveling down. Play, you know, just a weird you know that NFL stadium, South Florida. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to expect from them. So that's kind of a stay away. You know, given double digits. Uh, I know everybody's against Rice this year because of the schedule. Um, Army given 22 and a half at six o'clock on Friday, so that'll get you started early. I know so I've heard some guys talk. Uh, our guys on Follow the Money, we're thinking about a little Army first half minus 12. Um, and my, I know there's not a lot to pick from late Saturday night. I mentioned SC, but that's about it. Be careful in Corvallis late Friday night. I know everybody loves Mike Gundy, but. Stuff happens. I played there, um, and, and it, it's a weird spot late on a Friday night in Corvallis. Uh, the Beavers catching two touchdowns uh, against the still, Cowboys. Still probably, still, probably still a little bit of that to come rolling in and settle about four feet over the field, though. They're probably going to wait until about late September for that to happen, right? <laughs> you got that right. Uh, the over-under in that one's 72. So uh, hopefully that's as fun to watch as, as Hawaii and Arizona was. All right, um, let's get to Saturday. Uh, let's open the door. Let's go. Let's go with our picks first. I got a couple other uh, topical things I want to get to um, after we do. It, if, if if you don't hit them in your picks, but let's get to Saturday and uh, let's get let's get right into it. The, the, the two games that I, that I like the most on Saturday, and there are a bunch of other ones we'll talk about after. But like the two official picks that are going to go down, I'm going to take Coastal Carolina plus the uh, six or six and a half. Uh, depending on where, where you're looking against Eastern Michigan. Look, I love Eastern Michigan, and I love the job Chris Creighton has done there. And uh, they've, been a, they've been an ATM for the Stanford Stephen the Bear podcast the last couple of years. But I, I don't like this spot at all. 
uh, expected to win. Uh, it, uh, uh, coaching change official now with, with, with Chad Will coming in and replace Bolia. And Eastern Michigan, all they do is play close games. If you go back last 14 games that they have played away from home, 11 of them have either been a loss or decided by six points or fewer. So if you're giving me a, a situation here that's basically 80% over the last couple of years, I'm going to have to take my, my chances. If, if you look at Coastal, they got a good start last year, nearly got bowl eligible, but lost their final four games. Uh, they, they, they got Barry Ball, the running back is back. Uh, a bunch of guys back on a defense that can't help but be better. Uh, Eastern Michigan's got some, some pieces to replace in a bunch of different spots. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a bad season for Eastern Michigan. I think they're going to be right there in the ball mix as well, but I don't know if they're quite worthy of being uh, this big of a favorite against a, uh, a, a team that I think will be a bit more competitive than some of this year. So that, that, that's, the, that's one official play, and then the other one I'm going to want to take into Georgia Southern getting the, uh, the 28 uh, against LSU. Uh, I, I think there's a bit of LSU probably not showing a whole lot this week with the big game in Texas next week. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go back, and it was a great dog. The one spot where you could like really shoot some holes in that kid's resume in terms of getting teams ready to play or a strategy or whatever. And I don't think they're going to show much. I think you're going to pull some guys. Non-conference games of at least 17. Uh, non-conference games in which they've been favored by at least 17. 0-7 against the number, wow. including a tw- uh, including that loss to Troy a couple of years back, yep. where they were like a 20-point favorite. So I don't think LSU loses. Uh, I, I think St. Lawrence and Georgia Southern give LSU their, their best shot. But I think this is a situation where you see LSU uh, do just do enough to kind of get by, get some guys, make sure they have the lead, comfortable lead, and, and make sure they don't suffer any, any injuries and really go uh, deep into that playbook with, the, uh, with Joe Brady there. Uh, I don't want to give away too much text. I'll take uh, Georgia Southern as my uh, other official second pick. So the four official picks for me, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, BYU, and Wake. And then we got some other stuff we could run down here in a bit after we uh, hear what you got to say. Yeah, um, I, I mine is this, I did it last year. I meant to look it up. I'm pretty sure the number was in the 70s. I didn't even care. It was Lane Kiffin going in Norman against Kyler Murray and Lincoln Riley. That over came in. And I look at it again today, this week. Ohio State's uh, minus twenty-seven and a half against Lane and Florida Atlantic. Uh, the number is sixty-three and a half. The up and down. Um, I just blindly think that's an over. I think Ryan Day is going to want to come out and and show some things offensively. I think Lane's going to want to do the same. I know. I know uh, Florida Atlantic has a new defensive coordinator, Glenn Spencer. Uh, but FAU gave up over four hundred twenty-five games last year, or four hundred twenty-five yards a game. Uh, FAU player to watch. If you got a college fantasy team, Harrison Bryant, pick him up. He's an awesome tight end. He will be their 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 main gobbler of catches uh, in that Owls offense. I expect a huge day from J.K. Dobbins. He would be like a a, a, a daily fantasy play for me at running back. Uh, I think he'll be worth the price. But I expect a lot of points here. The, the, I, I expect a ton of emotion. In that Buckeye um, uh, fan base to see what they have in store against a team that's not known for their defense in the Owls. So I like the over there. Uh, just looking at you know first um, inkling, the other number that does not make sense to me is uh, Kentucky minus eleven and a half versus Toledo, but the over under sixty one and a half. 
And I just look at that with Mark Stoops, everything I've read. Me and you were on Daily Wager. Herb Street likes um, Kentucky this year. But everything I read, Stoops, I know they have to replace Josh Allen, the defensive player of the year, and Benny Snell, the school's all-time leading rusher. But everything I read from Lexington is about how much Stoops loves the guys he has replacing all the players he lost off that uh, you know uh, record-setting team he had last year, as far as you know school records go. And Toledo does. I mean, I know they're picked to win their division, but they don't scare me that much offensively. No. Kentucky doesn't scare me offensively. Um, I know Toledo's won nine or more six in the last year, six of the last eight years. But I think that's a high number for a Mark Stoops coach defense that has SEC talent. That like I keep mentioning, he he really likes the guys. He can't, you know, he he made a great point of, you know, really a lot of people didn't know Benny Snell and Josh Allen before he put them in his system, and look what happened. They're pro players, right. so I, I just think that that's a high number. Um, I mentioned Kentucky's offense isn't. Gr- I don't expect great things from them, but I don't see both teams scoring thirty points in this game. Uh, so I'll take the under sixty-one and a half uh, in that one, and then one more for Saturday might be my favorite, and I know people are going to laugh at me, but Pat Fitzgerald is an underdog, and that scares the crap out of me. He's also got a five-star quarterback, which he has never had, and I don't know why Stanford is given six and a half points. This opened right around there, way back when the number was posted, and it hasn't really moved. Stanford really doesn't have anything that scares you offensively from a weapon standpoint. The identity, I know they've spent a lot of time in the offseason trying to recreate that success they had in the old power run game when they, you know, would just smash teams, but I don't think they have the goods to do it. Um, and I just, I, if, if this is a field goal game, that, that, that's what it has the feel to me. Uh, but I just, Northwestern, knowing the role they play, I know they lost a, a bunch of starters, but like I said, I've never seen Pat Fitzgerald with a five star QB and knowing what he could do. As a coach and rallying the troops and going out and playing a, a Pac-12 school and how he does that, I just I I, I cannot uh, not take the six and a half points with Northwestern there. And AJ to back you up, last year seven one and one against the number of the dog. I mean six outright wins and last seventeen games thirteen three and one against the number ten outright wins. So you certainly know when you're not going to go broke betting Northwestern is an underdog, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, I said uh, we did a segment on Daily Wager earlier this summer. Uh, you know, teams not the favorites uh, as Wisconsin and Nebraska were the favorites. And I, I mentioned Northwestern. I know they lost some starters to win that division in the West. They were like 7-1. to one. I think it's worth a shot. Uh, you know, everything everything I hear about the quarterback is it's the real deal. Now, he might play both quarterbacks in this opener. He did last year when they went to Purdue and won. So um, it's just another uh, um, idea I think he has up his sleeve that could cause Stanford some problems, how they have a lot of inexperience in that front seven. The secondary should be a strength. I'll put Adebo uh, against any corner in the country. I think he's that good. And um, it, it – it should. I, I think it's going to be a not pretty game to watch. That uh, will obviously have me sweating out uh, a game, but um, I, I just think Northwestern's a no-brainer getting the six and a half uh, in Palo Alto. And you, and you hit on that Kentucky Toledo game as well. I've seen and, and heard a lot of support for Toledo over the uh, the last couple of days or so. So if you, I mean, there might reach a point where it's just like, 
like it's contrarian to be contrarian type deal. I mean, yep. like it might it might reach a point where this this game comes down even further, and maybe it, maybe it comes down to ten and a half or ten, and it, it might just reach a point where it, it's worth playing Kentucky because no, I mean to Toledo. It, I mean a Miami offense that wasn't very good put up a bunch of points on Toledo uh, the yeah. last couple of years as well. So I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not massive massive uh, difference in skill player. From uh, from what they used to play, it's facing in the match is what they're going to be facing. Yeah, uh, even with Kentucky, would struggle defensively. Yeah, and I mean Kentucky football fans like it's fired there up. That's like a scary thing to me. We know how much of a fan base they have for basketball, but like if they even get close to that in football, that's that's that, that's an <laughs> army coming at you. Um, a couple things I wanted to get to here. Uh, I wanted to try a couple things just to give people some other plays. I know everyone gets mad when we don't pick the game they want us to pick. But this gives us another chance to, to, to talk about some other games that aren't on uh, our pick list. Uh, let's frame, frame it as this. I want to do this every week. Uh, hopefully there there's the options. This week there's three of these possibilities. I want to do the favorite home dog in a conference game. We have two in the ACC. BC, um, who might be in my column as a, as a, as a pick, uh, as a home dog. That's four and a half they're getting from the Hokies at Virginia Tech. And... In the ACC, there's also Pitt uh, getting two and two and two and a half from Virginia. Virginia's on the road there, and in the SEC, Vandy's at home getting 21 uh, from Georgia. Out of the, if you had to pick a home dog out of that group, who are you taking? I'll take Pitt. Uh, I think it's that group. I was tempted to maybe think of Vandy, but I, I could just see that. I mean, you don't really know about, about the Vandy quarterback situation, but I, I think Pitt is the home dog. Um, I know they, they lose both of their backs, so their offense might look a little different, and they, and they lost their best pass rusher uh, to an injury in the spring. But it, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to lay points with Virginia, even though it's only a small number on the road. I know Perkins had a great year last year, and and, and, and Virginia is out to be that one team to continue the uh, uh, the ACC coastal string of different chance. But 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 Pitt in a spot where I think most most people. Uh, won't be picking them to win. I, I, of those three, I would lean. Uh, I would. I would. I would lean towards taking Pitt. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go BC. Uh, I think they can win the game. Um, I, I think that from a stability factor, they got they got one of the offensive linemen uh, eligible, which is a huge plus. I saw how happy people were with that decision up in Chestnut Hill. I mean Chestnut Thrill. Um, but I, it's not. It's only going to be not a, a pretty game. Uh, Virginia Tech, that's a huge spot for them. I know you were high on them coming in, and that's an enormous uh, um, spot for them with the season win total. And I know yeah. you need a loss by BC, but I think they keep it closer than four and a half and possibly win the game. So out of that group as a home dog in a conference game, I would take BC. Um, yeah, Virginia Tech's an interesting team because you look at their home schedule, and they're going to be favored in every single one of those seven games. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's set up, but... If they, I think things are pretty fragile and volatile there. Because all the guys at, at Fuente uh, left the program for whatever reason, and you're reading about how they, they didn't want to beat Marshall, so they didn't have to coach yeah. any more practices. So, uh, that, that, that seems like it's on shaky ground. And uh, if they wanted to get off to a slow start, that would not bode well for the Hokies. Anyway, next question. Uh-huh. Still haven't moved, by the way. I'm still sitting here and talking. Don't worry. When I'm not, I'm not driving along on the interstate talking to you. Literally, literally just sitting here in park, looking on, and we're we're good to go. Cars are, cars have their doors open in front of me, so we're we're not going anywhere. I don't have a sticker, though. All right, let's go. Top five team not to cover. Okay, so we have Alabama laying what thirty five to two. 
Georgia, Clemson, uh, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'd say of those, I would say of those, I'll say Clemson. Uh, really? Just because I, yeah, yeah, just because I, Oklahoma, I think can 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 name their number against Houston. They they, they can run the ball eighty times and and, and beat Houston. That defense is terrible. Uh, Florida FAU might be the second one, even though I don't know how much success they're going to have offensively against Ohio State. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would say Clemson just because I think uh, we're, we're going to wind up getting a uh, uh, they, they bench some guys in the second half and and not really uh, see Clemson out to, to to put up a big number in the second half. So I would go. Uh, I, I would take Georgia Tech to cover most likely to cover against Clemson. Uh, I don't know why I'm I'm gonna do this and be feel regret it like probably ten minutes into the game. I'm gonna take Duke in the thirty four and a half. <laughs> that, that, that was that was the second one I was considering. All right, uh, I just I don't know. I, I mean, the Moses news today out about him being out for the That's year. Awful. That's, That's awful. That's awful. Good kid, and we're gonna have a great year. Yep. And uh, yeah. Um. So I I would lean uh Duke. There as a, a team playing against a top five, that um, would take. You know, they're all basically thirty. Uh, they're all more than three touchdowns. Um, all right, it's time for our money line pick of the week. Now, I know you're doing. A, I was actually texting with Reese Davis last night because he sounded fired up about the super dog pick when he teased it last week. I, th- I thought he already had one up his sleeve, but he said he hasn't. He's still deciding. But our uh, money line pick of the week, what? What do we want the parameter? Do we want it to be a double-digit dog? No, I don't think it has to be double-digit. I'd say more than a field goal. Okay. All right. I'd, I'd, I'd say more than a field goal is probably fair enough. Okay. What uh, What do you got your eyes on? I got my eyes on Coastal Carolina. Okay. I, I, I like the plus six and a half. I mean, it's not the other thing. We're going to have to give a game other than what we um, won one of the four picks. I mean, we're looking for something like that. By the way, I see I see BC up to five in some spots right oh, now. Oh yeah, anyway. oh yeah. That's why I said it's probably going to be in the column now. <laughs> <laughs> I like when the line goes in my favor. You do not. Yes, sir. I do. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm 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 weird like that. Okay. I'm uh, weird like that, but yeah, I I I, I think Postal is really the only one I could feel kind of good about playing on the money line. Uh, I could play PY. I could play PYU on the money line as well. Uh, both of those games I liked. FIU is too short to play on the money line. Uh, South Florida, we talked about stay. That's a stay away. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, you like BYU too. You think they can win the game? Yeah, I think they can win the game. Okay. I do. I do think they can win the game. All right. But yeah, I, 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 I would, I would look at one of those. Okay. It just doesn't look like a. Uh, like, like, like a week where you're going to have some, some massive shot. I, I, you know, I will say this. I would take a chance on playing, if you could find money lines on James Madison and Indiana State. Uh, I think, but how about that? All right. If you go, if you go back, if you go back uh, since 2011, uh, you've had eight instances where a Power 5 team was favored by single digits over a non-FBS team. Mm-hmm. Six of those. Six of those games resulted in the Power Five team losing. Mm-hmm. So you've got Indiana State. I think it is. I think I saw like Kansas minus four and a half or five or something. Yeah. And uh, and West Virginia, I think, was only a seven point favorite 
uh, over James Madison. Maybe, maybe, so maybe take a shot with both uh, Indiana State and, uh, and JMU on the money line. One of them hits, and, uh, and you'll come out ahead. But, yeah, I, actually, I, I thought that was interesting. I, I wanted to look. And, I mean, Kansas, Kansas is a dog to, a, to uh, an FCS team last year and lost. So, yeah. uh, or two years ago, I can't remember what year it was. So, I mean, there's a, certainly a precedent there. And I, it's not like Les Miles is going to come in, and, and he's not going to be on the field playing. I mean, he's still got the same players. So, I think a shout about those FCS teams maybe one of the ones. Yeah, I'll give you another one uh, just for ha-has. Um, I mean, I, I like Northwestern. I, I honestly think they can win the game. Um, but this, this, this might be a one-and-done, uh, if you will. But I think uh, I love – Love the hires Ole Miss made at coordinators, and so do I. I absolutely love it. Um, I I think it's it's what you need after how um, rancid the defense was and and bringing in um, my man from Colorado and uh, and Rich Rod as the offensive coordinator. So I would take a shot with Ole Miss here. Now listen, they could get pumped, and Memphis could have this thing really rolling. As I know, I mean. Guys, I talk to a lot and really respect. Think they're they're going to win the American easily. So this could be a one and done with Ole Miss, but I would take a shot with Ole Miss. Yeah, I would be. That line actually come down a little bit, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think those that was those were two really good hires by Bat. You got a guy who hasn't been a head coach for very long now, and he brings in yeah two. I mean, like I've I've heard like I think it was actually this morning, like driving into the airport, I was listening to a. To Mitch and Paulie, and they were talking about some old this guy. Or, uh, they don't hate, hate the coordinator hires, and and I, I who, who are you looking for? I mean, you get yeah. all because Rich, all because Rich Rod and, and McIntyre didn't it didn't pan out the last couple of years as a head coach. Doesn't mean they're not good coordinators and, and good offensive defensive coaches. I mean, I, I like both of those hires a lot. So I, I, I could I could give I, I I think you're you're, you're right there in the sense that either Ole Miss wins the game on the field. Or Memphis beats them by two touchdowns. I think it. I think it's a game like that. Okay, uh, Bear. I got my eyes on one. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on. You know, everybody loves all these props and everything. I, I've been reading how casinos are throwing props on every college game. But uh, a, a team. You know, when you. When, I don't necessarily want to pick a blowout, but a, a, a team total. You might think uh, can go over or under. Uh, what you may be thinking. I, I, I was going to ask you who you think scores more points, Ohio State or Nebraska, uh, seeing how you know both those fan bases are, are going to be live and ready uh, for kickoff. Uh, Nebraska's given 36.5. Um, the over-under's 63.5. So with your math, you told me they're over-under. So 50, went by probably around 49 or something, 49, 14, somewhere around there is what they're Probably expecting. All right, I think I think they score fifty, so I would take Nebraska yeah. over the team total uh, against yeah, I would, South I would Alabama. Too. Anybody? I, I, uh, I would too. Who else? You I, think? I look at I look at Oklahoma State. You're talking about Gundy, and I, I think they're offense. Forty-four and a half. They are. Yeah, I, I would I would go over that. I mean, okay. I, I mean, Oregon State's defense was atrocious last year. Yes, they were. Uh, I don't see any decline uh, with Justin Hill. Justin Hill guy. I think Shuba Hubbard was just as good, if not better. Uh, Tylen Wallace might be the best player in the Big Twelve, and, and I think Spencer Sanders really does have a, uh, a a different dimension at quarterback, running and passing. So uh, I, I would go over the forty-five with uh with, with Oklahoma State as well. I, I can see them easily putting 
uh, scoring seven touchdowns and going over. Maybe not covering the 14, depending on uh, how their defense is going to be. But, but I think I think Oak State goes on the road and, uh, and, and, and would go over 45. Love it. 44, whatever you said. Love it. All right, so the Big Mike Happy Recap. I am going Northwestern plus 6.5, Kentucky Toledo under 61.5, Wake Forest minus 3.5, uh, Ohio State, Florida Atlantic over 63.5, and, and I'll throw BC plus 5 in there. Uh, I also might want a little nibble on the Wake Forest over of 59.5. The Bear starts out Thursday night, BYU plus 6.5. Wake Forest with me, minus three and a half. Coastal Carolina plus six, six and a half, right around there. And Georgia Southern Saturday night plus twenty seven and a half in the bayou in Baton Rouge. Um well oh I know what I need from you. Uh, I don't have it written out. I'm sorry. I I, I was gonna write it out when I got in the when I got nope. to the hotel and I was not able to write out the money line parlay and I feel terrible. But That's, I, I Everyone, make sure you. This is the one time I'm actually going to steer you to the column. I will have the money line parlay written out in the column. I, I might even tweet it out. Yeah, today. tweet it out. I was going to say tweet I, it I, out. I want, to, I want to tweet it out because yeah, I, I, feel, I feel that I had I had a bunch of games. It kind of, kind of saved and shot it down, but I didn't get a chance to to, to get down all the money lines and, and do the math to figure out exactly what it paid. I was going to do it when I got to the hotel, but obviously I haven't uh, gotten to the hotel yet. So. Um, uh, I, I will. Uh, I'll tweet it out and I'll put it in the column as well. That's not what and, I. And, and, that's not what I wanted from you. But I appreciate you, you teasing want? that. What I wanted from you is way more important, and you don't have it right now. Which was I was trying to say. When you get it, I need an update. There's rumors of the Smoke and Pig, our favorite barbecue joint in Clemson, having new ownership, and I want to see if it took a step back or took a step forward. Well, it's at Seven Eastern, which right now is uh, two hours and fifteen minutes from now. Uh, I will. I will be there. All right. We're having a nice, a nice little gathering there. Hopefully, hopefully I will be there. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I don't know how you're making out now. Yeah, no. I'm. 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 I'm someone like backed up and went all the way down the road backwards the other way. So uh, I, 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 I moved and I moved up about twenty feet. Okay. So we're Sweet. we're we're still sitting there, but we got only we got we got uh, plenty of gas. Sold about three quarters of a tank of gas, and just we're just sitting here, and uh, this is good. I've been able to just talk and. And, and just and occupy the time, and it'd be, like I said, the other the other things I just just to follow up on, on the big my happy recap. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe consider Tulsa, uh, maybe uh, Nevada. I've been on them. I, I'd still play it, but maybe I'm, I'm not as gung ho as I was. And, and oh, by the way, how how, how about I have my favorite say that I, I can't imagine walking up to a window and saying. Uh, give me Illinois minus the points. <laughs> How about our guy, oh, the reporter, that, 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 that big duffel bag guy going out there and spreading himself thin, laying a, laying a big number with the Illini over a, over a bad Akron team. I, 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 I can see that. I can see him being on the right side there. But wow, that's a, uh, that, that that would be tough for me to take out for to take out uh, by about fifty large and, and you say give me Illinois. Yeah, that that takes even though some... Akron's bad though. As Uncle Brent would say, that takes some cojones. <laughs> um, so, uh, all in all, uh, I think we're we're good. Uh, you travel safe. Keep me posted. Um, anyone, if you got any questions, hit me up uh, at StanfordSteve82 on Twitter, at Chris Felica on Twitter. Uh, we're always here. We're always going. Barely even t- uh, DM you back if you want, probably during college game day. 
Um, so uh, that'll do it for our week one episode. And don't forget, right after Bear lets us go here, Ivan Mazel joins me in studio to talk about the college football 150. I appreciate you, Bear. We'll uh, we'll get both in studio next week. Okay, they don't know. Yeah, next week back to our normal week. Uh, Thursday game day departure, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll have a little bit more back and forth, and I'll be uh, a little bit more prepared than I was right now just to kind of get, get this thrust on me. And just remember, the less you bet, the more you lose when you win. Ivan Mazel joins us in studio. Um, great to have you here. I'm delighted. Uh, first thoughts, what do you think about week zero? Are we, are we Do you like that? Is that going to continue, you think? I doubt it will continue because the NCA has its rules, and <laughs> God forbid if we ever change them. But and it was done for a specific reason yeah. to pump up 150. And uh, I liked the idea that it, you know Miami and Florida. I mean, one of the worries about playing in August is it's too hot. Well, it's going to be too hot in Orlando anyway, and it'd be too hot in, in Coral Gables, and it'd be too hot in Gainesville. So mm-hmm. th- that didn't affect those two schools. So to me, that was perfect. And uh, the game was ghastly, but I mean, you know what do people expect? Well, you know, to me, kids, it's like when you have a you have a newborn and he's or she is really ugly, but you don't see that. You're so excited they're there. You know, it's like, oh my god, we have this baby and beautiful. Well, no, but you're, it doesn't matter in yep. your eyes. It's great and. And that's kind of how I feel about week zero. All right. Uh, well, moving on, I wanted to get you in before the season, most uh, specifically because of the uh, 150 stuff that you've been doing. Yeah. And I watched the the first uh, doc. Uh, am I going to be able to see you on there? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to see you on there. Yeah. The, uh, the, American, the two series, the American game and the greatest. Okay. They roll out September 10th and 12th. Okay. Uh, well, to give people a perspective of this and, and the time that you have put in along with the other staff, um, I just want to, like, let's start with, you know, we're celebrating. Obviously, the NFL has their 100 years, but we've owned and you have been one of the main voices behind ESPN bringing the college football fans this 150. Where could people just keep diving into this historical stuff and what you guys have brought up? Well, every platform we got, Steve, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, we've already begun my story, which is the 60 second vignettes that we show every morning on, uh, the early sports center mm-hmm. and on get up. And then they're available at the website every day. And okay. that's somebody looking straight in the camera and telling you a 60 second story about them in college football. Yeah. And we're, we're two weeks into them and they're they're funny and they're poignant and they make you laugh and cry and think. I saw the Reese Davis one today yeah. about Bama crying. Yeah, he was that. crying and we were laughing. <laughs> so that was perfect, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we did one. I mean, you know, some of us at ESPN did them, but we've got ex-players that did them, fans, coaches. Mm-hmm. So it's really a we wanted a broad cross-section of the game. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's a constant. Uh, the only other thing that's really big, well, obviously the opening documentary came out, you know, my podcast have come out down mm-hmm. in distance. Yep. Those were, those are, we're in week two of those. There's four weeks, uh, eight episodes. And then beginning next week on the SEC network will be Saturdays in the South, which is an eight part, 12 hour series on Tuesday nights. Get your DVR ready. Get your DVR ready. And then the American Game and the Greatest, which are the two episodes that 
that I'm on and a lot of people are on. Okay, good. Uh, and, and the cool thing about those two shows is the approach we took. We didn't want to do it in chronological history of the game mm-hmm. uh, because it's going to be tough to engage people about the 1902 Chicago-Michigan game, which Absolutely. was a great game. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> according to sources. I don't source, belittle According to sources. Yeah, I was not there. Uh, but uh, – by tackling a theme, we can get a cross section of history each week, and you know the themes are the, as simple as the culture of the game, you know why we love it, and how it is how it reflects the country, to the way the evolution of the game, the way the rules change, the way the players changed. Uh, integration is one week, mm-hmm. rivalries is one week, uh, picking a champion, and 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 God knows that's different in college football than in every other American sport, you know, and how that has evolved over yeah. 150 years. Uh, the games of the century, which was really a pre-playoff creation of college football. And we look at what it may, what a game of the century was, and we look at some of the great games of the century. The Heisman gets a week. Notre Dame gets its own week. Of course and, they do. Yeah, because they're Notre Dame. Absolutely. And, and, and it I, was – Absolutely. It was for so many years a regional sport, and they were the one national team. And, and one thing that – ubiquitous television and and the playoff have done is make more national teams which i think has made notre dame recede Mm -hmm. a little bit in the spotlight but uh anyway that's all and and the shows are uh it's not all a love letter to college football. I think no. we saw that Saturday night. Absolutely, and, yeah. and and that's that's the thing. You know, you got into the concussions, you got into the bad things. You know, the forward pass and how that um, you know evolutionized the game. But when I when I watched it, I was blown away by the footage of the of the Morgan State Grambling game in Yankee Stadium. Wasn't that cool? Yeah. It, it was, the footage is absolutely incredible, yeah. and to see Roden talk about the emotion. Of running out on that field and seeing Yankee Stadium packed, yes, uh, and knowing what happened in that in 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 that year, yeah, um, that I mean that was the first episode, and you've seen all this stuff, but from from yes. an aspect of not saying you know what I kind of forget about this because you're as good of a historian of the game as we have in the sport, but something that really rang a bell to you and were like. Wow, I, I can't wait for people to see this. Is there anything that comes to mind? You know, right off the bat. Well, I mean, there's plenty of informational stuff that I wasn't aware of or didn't know or didn't really understand. But it, a lot of what's really cool is stuff like that footage and, oh. and seeing Bear Bryant in the locker room and seeing as we did Saturday night and, and seeing Woody Hayes in the locker yeah. room. That was really cool and mm-hmm. on the practice field. And, uh, you know, the, there's the, we you see Rockney talking. Mm-hmm. You see Frank Leahy talking. I mean, the, there's all these just names out of books that, that come alive and uh it's fascinating you know mark Harmon is in the first show and mm-hmm. we forget i certainly forget <laughs> and i watched him as a kid mark Harmon started at quarterback for ucla yeah. in the early 70s and was a really good player yeah his dad won the heisman uh, in 1940 tom Harmon at michigan uh, so uh and he talks about growing up in that household and what college football meant and yeah. what it meant in LA and what it means to people now. And, and there's this, these, that all these figures are coming to life again. And, and that to me is, is really exciting. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, as far as the panel, uh, of, of people, like when, when we started <laughs> nailing down, 
I, I can't imagine, you know, Felica being in meetings, Brad Edwards, we had Brad in here last, yeah. like, it had to be the, the, uh, the, the apex of meetings you were going to that you knew were going to be longer. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we didn't meet a lot in person. I mean, that we okay. had, we did. There's two separate panels. Yep. One was a television panel that we created to pick the for the show the greatest. And mm-hmm. what the greatest does is every Thursday night, it's a half hour show, and based on whatever theme it is that week, we pick the greatest eleven something. Okay. Uh, the culture. Uh, well. You know, there's the greatest uniforms, the greatest mascots, and, and some are a little more serious. You know, the greatest uh, inspirational people and stories in the game. Um, and, and to do that, we had 11 ESPN college football writers and commentators in a room serving as the jury. And what was really cool about that, and, and, and Felica was in there, was we were all friends and we all had no problem just busting each other's chops. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Which is what you need in that At sort of show. 100%. And uh, we all took it and we all gave it, and that was that was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, the, the Greatest Uniforms episode is, is really funny just to hear, you know, Schleyball, Mark Schleyball harumphing, and then <laughs> the younger guys like, like Marcus Spears jumping on him, and, and it, it that was a lot of fun. Uh, there's a different panel. Another project we undertook was picking the 150 greatest teams, games, coaches, and players. Uh-huh. And the players' vote is underway now. But, okay. Uh, and but that panel is uh, both in and out of ESPN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Coaches, players, broadcasters, writers, administrators. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's been a lot of fun to watch those results come in and try to figure out what the hell people were thinking you know because really it would have been better off if you and i had done it you know or or something like that yeah yeah. um so you could check all that stuff out it's going to be coming to you all year as i haven't mentioned podcasts uh on tv episodes sec network just dive in i would say the best place to go is just the espn app I'm sure you can find whatever you want there as far as well, it's the, audio, yeah. video, there is whatever a, you want. There is an ESPN.com slash CFB150 page. There you go. It will be certainly a, a, you know, a home for uh, my story, a home for down and distance, a home for the written pieces. And I, I'm sure there we'll have the, you know, what's coming on television. But, you know, that, that's what scrolling through your DVR guide is for, too. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I just want to make sure we get your picture from your freshman dorm at Stanford uh, from the I, original Facebook. Do we have it? No, but it, for my the my story I did about my first game as a Stanford student. All right. There is a picture from my soft a couple of pictures from my sophomore year. Okay, and it's really hard to tell the difference. All right, <laughs> I bet it is. Might, <laughs> just probably minus the glasses. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go here, just yeah. you know you've. I'm, you know, you're on these, you're on these things. You're, you're, you're part of this because I mentioned you're, you're the best historian that I know of the game. When you look at this year and where we are with the sport and what we're possibly looking at or the, the average fan is looking at with Bama Clemson and having their eyes on whether it's good, whether it's not, your, your idea of what you see that will change things or is it, is it, 
have to do with those two schools, or do you think it'll be somebody else? You've seen so many turns of how things have gone in the, in the sport. You know, the SEC dominance coinciding with an SE, a, a USC demise, you know, yeah. drop, a Texas drop. You know, what, what, what entices you to, to, to watch this year and has you most intrigued about seeing something play out that you, that might be unexpected? Well, the the beauty and 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 also the the horror of the game is that there's so every every team is one play away from mm-hmm. its fortunes changing. I mean, and and that I think at the speed and and force with which is, the game is played now, that's even more so. I think one thing that's sort of burbling in my head is what nobody saw coming with the playoff is that it would contribute to uh, the the best teams staying at the top and by that I mean if you finish third or fourth as Florida State did 14 years in a row (laughs) and yet Florida State only won two championships Mm -hmm. because they didn't get to play for the championship all 14 of those seasons yeah so uh by allowing three and four to stay in the hunt Talent and skill is going to win out. One game doesn't bust you up the way it used to, mm-hmm. and that means Alabama and Clemson are staying at the top. You know how many the number four team has won what two of the five years. Yeah. So, you know that's uh, I don't think anybody really saw that coming, and it's contributed to this idea of well, nothing is really going to change. It's going to be Alabama and Clemson, and and it's it's not uh, it, it's not you know Nick Saban. Contrary to to rumor, is not going to coach forever. It is going to change, yeah. And, and things do change, but uh, I think having a top four play for it has contributed to the fact that it feels like it doesn't change. And what do people think is going to happen if we go to eight? It's gonna uh-huh. it's gonna go it's gonna be even more so. Mm-hmm. That's another show. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Well, the Down and Distance podcast is, is out there. Check out Ivan all over the place, the the platforms. He's he's all over uh, ESPN and every facet possible. So I thank you again for coming in and delighted. So glad you had me. Appreciate it.